And we are live. Welcome to the Train Like a Ranger podcast. Uh, excited to have Corey Flynn back on the podcast. Welcome, Corey. Hey, what's up, Daniel? Hey, what's going <laughs> Good on, man? You. Good to see you. Um, I've had you on before. If you guys have seen our previous podcast, uh, Corey is a ranger medic and uh, turned paramedic, and now he's looking at PA school. Um, can you talk more about, about what you're up to now? Yeah, so actually, um, I had recently just moved. I was a paramedic uh, for a couple of years after I got out of Ranger Battalion in Savannah, Georgia. Um, we had recently, me and my wife had moved down to Florida. So I'm not uh, a paramedic here. I'm actually working with Black Rifle Coffee um, in Niceville, Florida, um, which is about 30 minutes away from where I live now. So um, it's, it's kind of a nice transition, uh, applying to grad school, trying to become a physician assistant with the, the foundations of being a ranger medic and a paramedic. Um, and then right now, just kind of, you know, slinging freedom water. So that's been <laughs> kind of fun. You know, it's, it's a, a very easygoing culture that's very familiar to me, transitioning from military and being a first responder and now getting to, you know, serve that community a little bit and give back. Um, and, you know, anyone who knows anything about Black Rifle, it's just, it's fun. It's a fun environment to be around and be a part of. So that's what I've been kind of doing the past couple of months and just, you know, applying to grad schools and waiting to start that. Yeah. I like, I like Black Rifle. Um, great company. Uh, look out. They look out for a lot of veterans. So, um, yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. You're, you're connected with them now. Um, you know, I got a lot of, a lot of friends in the Black Rifle community. So, um, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's it's kind of eye opening. Like you start to realize, like really how small, like the military community is, but then the soft community is. Of you know, you you end up meeting a guy who was a Green Beret, who knew knew another Green Beret, and he was attached to, you know, a JTAC, and oh, you know, my JTAC went to school with him, and so it's like you start to meet a lot of people and and, and network with people that everyone kind of knows each other through you know various people, and there are only so many people uh, separated in relationships. So it's been fun. Yeah, no, it really is. It's a it's a small world. It's crazy. Like, um, it's crazy how connected everything is. And uh, and there's a lot of a uh, lot of positives in the veteran and soft culture, like how we really do look out for our own. It's a it's a pretty tight community. So that's a that's cool, man. Um, how how do you like uh, how do you like that area you're in now? Like I've been I've been to that area. I think it's pretty cool yeah so the area is super nice um we're near eglin air force base so yep. there's seventh sf group so i have a bunch of guys in my apartment building um that are in groups so it's, it's been nice you know making friends with guys that are in soft currently because it's just hard once you get out kind of connecting with people in some ways um so yep. that's been nice uh a lot lots of air force guys um but as far as the the area it's beautiful um lots of outdoor ranges to go shooting um they call it the emerald coast over here so the water is like crystal clear yeah so we like to scuba dive and snorkel and uh i've been doing lots of fishing uh that's been something i've tried to pick up and get better at so the the area i couldn't be happier with so it's super nice yeah um well uh yeah we did obviously i've been out there before uh, multiple times but uh went out there one time on a training trip and we worked with some seals out there and then rode in some, uh, uh, AC one thirties and things. Uh, that was pretty, pretty cool. But Destin was like, uh, it was like this, the sand looks like snow to me. Like it just, so the beaches are so nice. The water's clear. 
Um, I I want to go back, so maybe I'll maybe I'll find an excuse to come uh, crash your couch. Or oh, something. dude, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we got an extra bedroom, so anytime you want to. Awesome, dude. Um, so so PA school, dude. Um, what uh, what uh, where are you at in in that path? Have you have you pitched uh, any grad applications yet, or is it kind of the yeah. process? The way the way it works is um, you have to have a bachelor's degree. You have to have certain prerequisites. You know, go through all those checklists. Um, so many patient care hours, uh, either with healthcare or actually direct patient care hours. Um, lots of schools have minimums on those. So, you know, getting all the uh, T's crossed and I's dotted for there's a universal application called CASPA. And so you fill out the CASPA application um, and then each school might have a supplemental application you have to also submit. So lots of lots of submitting, lots of essay writing, lots of you know things like that. Um, last, this would have been, I think December, I interviewed with Duke, um, which was the first PA program and still considered one of the top in the nation. So waiting to hear back from them. Um, a couple other schools I'm waiting to hear back from. So kind of like right in the the middle of of waiting to hear back from schools and the interview process. So hopefully from now until August, I hear something back. So it's a nice little waiting period. I get to sit here and twiddle my thumbs. But yeah, uh, that's it's, uh, it's good. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I uh, I was looking at physical therapy. It sounds it sounds uh, pretty similar to that. They had that uh, system called PTCAS, and you submit that application there. Submit all your transcripts, and then for each school. They each want different things. So like you submit your transcripts to each school, you write essays um, and each one has like a little bit of a different thing, plus a fee, nice little fat fee that you get to pay. Oh, yeah. So the more schools you apply to, the more you pay. Um, so, yeah, that's a, I, I actually juggled um, juggle between PT. I did the observation hours for physical therapy. Um, I did like uh, about 100 and then I submitted my application to PT school. Um, which is tough. It's tough to get in those schools. Like it's no joke to get in those schools. So it's like, if you don't get in that pass, you're sitting around for a while, you know? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's, that, that really is a big thing is, you know, you, you consider how many people from different specialties graduate with an undergrad degree. And then they're like, Hey, you know, what are these health health related fields that I want to go into? It's PT, occupational therapy, physician assistant, med school. And like, there's only a couple, you know, so there's a lot of people applying. So it, it does get competitive. Um, but again, it's, you know, that's what you got to do. Yeah. It's like limited spots. It's like a selection almost, you know, um, yeah. speaking of selection, one of the big, one of the big reasons, uh, that we wanted to do this podcast today is we're, we're kind of reattacking, um, a, our previous podcasts together, but in, um, in a different way. So we wanted to talk about the 68 whiskey, uh, Ranger pipeline. Um, along with the, you know, Sockham and, and kind of what to expect and things. So, um, you know, that being said, what should people focus on whenever they're looking to become a special operations and ranger medic? Yeah, so lots of you know, obviously lots of different things to focus on as far as prioritizing. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of people always think you have to go in with a super heavy medical background. And 
that's kind of why, you know, when we were thinking about what we wanted to talk about, I had kind of thought, you know, what are some basic principles that people should apply versus, you know, super specific niche principles that people should apply. And the reason why I think, you know, differentiating those initially is important is because you can get too far deep into the weeds. And one thing you start to realize is like, as you get more specialized in everything, like, I mean, just think of like doctors, you have an urgent care doctor that's different than an ER doctor that's different than a podiatrist that's different than a cardiologist. Like you can only do so much, you can only specialize in so much. And so that same thing applies, you know, having foundational experience in medicine or biology or chemistry or any of those things, it, again, fun, foundationally and fundamentally, they will, you know, help you along the way. But if you dive super deep into those things before you're even involved into a program, it might not even be the information that you necessarily need to be successful in that program. So that's why I think foundational things like mindset, mental toughness, physical, you know, fitness, those kind of things that are going to be your ground base level things that let you build upon. I think those things are always the, the most important things to focus on. As far as, you know, a little bit more specific things for special operations medics or ranger medics, um, you know, any kind of EMT experience, any kind of, you know, anatomy and physiology, medical terminology, all those things are going to one, give you just the basic knowledge um, of, hey, if somebody says, hey, my, I think my humerus is broken, you're like, well, where is that? Oh, I think, uh, you know, I have a metacarpal fracture. Okay, well, where is that? It's like those things you can kind of learn. And those are things that you start to learn along the process, along the way. And in the process, like you're going to continue to see those things. So anatomy and physiology, it never goes out of style. It turns right. out your body always has the same amount of bones, the same muscles. So it's like the earlier you start learning those things that never change, those can be super helpful. If you know, you know, 150 out of the 206 bones, like you're sitting pretty because you're going to continue to see those things in different classes and different applications. Hey, I'm doing a splint on a femur. It, okay. I know where the femur's at. And so think of those kind of things. Like I said, the things that never go out of style, I feel like initially you should really focus on those medical terminology, anatomy and physiology, because again, they don't ever go away. If you get into super deep in the weeds of here's the medication dosage I need to remember, or here's this and this and this, it could be completely different. You know, when I was in battalion, the medications that we used and the specific dosage and the applications was, you know, different a lot of the times than as a civilian paramedic I had to think about because again it's a different patient population you know there's pediatrics geriatrics all these kind of different confounding factors that can get involved where I didn't really have to think about that when I had 18 to 30 year old extremely healthy males um so a lot of times that was the focus that I had it was very you know focused Right. Um, so again, people can get super deep in the weeds. What book should I read? What should I do? And, you know, I say stay basic until you're actually in Sockham and you're in the pipeline, because again, they're going to teach you all the things that you need to, but if you have a good foundation, you can build upon those effectively with the information that they're giving you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, I, I like the anatomy pointer because that's, I think that's a good um, I think that's a, okay, you could dive pretty deep into that and it's going to all be relevant. Um, but as far as the practices and things like it's obviously going to be different whenever you're dealing with, 
battlefield trauma versus you know what you're seeing in the in the civilian world so um yeah so as far as uh as far as that goes you know i think it's important to note you know as a student you probably have picked up on study habits and things like that i, I think that's another relevant thing uh for the military but a lot of people i think don't expect whenever they're going into the military i think they're they think they're just going to go in and it's just going to be bang bang boom boom and that's it but there's actually a lot of studying there's a lot of um there's a lot of like mental game in it when it comes to preparation and things so you're very much a student in the military i say that all the time so looking at things like study habits and, and things like that's very important so do you have anything for like study habits or things that like tips that people should focus on whenever they're trying to learn information yeah i think um one of the big things is just eliminating distractions so that was something that they told us when we were in Sockham was like treat it like a deployment like a year-long deployment you're not going to have time to go anywhere do anything besides do pt in the morning go to class all day and then study all night and then rinse repeat and then even on the weekends you know during a lot of the blocks you're going in and doing additional hands-on training for a couple hours a day. And, you know, you're always kind of focused on the goal. And so the big thing that we saw was the younger guys usually did a lot better than some of the E6, E7s, you know, they didn't do so well. And why was that? Well, we found out, you know, when you have a wife and kids or husband and kids at home, like it is a lot of distractions and it pulls your, you know, limited amount of resources in your head away from focusing on that. So I think that's just a universal principle of eliminating distractions, whatever they may be, whether it's, again, they always say this in the military, you know, your finances should be right. Your relationship should be right. Family should be right. Like keeping all those things for a year, you know, at a, at a homeostatic level where you can actually focus and solely do one thing is really hard. It's really hard to do for anybody. Yeah. So again, I think that's something is just going in with that mindset of like, this is my primary goal and everything else kind of has to take a back seat because I need to accomplish this. And if at any point I get distracted, I, there is no, you know, rinse and repeat. There is no second chance a lot of the time. So if you really truly want to achieve a goal like that, you have to take the chance that you get and throw yourself at it completely. Um, so I think eliminating distractions as far as other study habits, um, I think the big thing is just putting in the work. You know, a lot of people think just because I'm looking at my computer, or I have the book open uh, means that I'm studying, but again, eliminating distractions of putting the phone away, not having, you know, distracting music on in the background. If it's something chill, uh, again, people are going to have different ways that they like to study. Um, I was never a flashcard guy, but some people, you know, love flashcards. So I think finding what works for you is also important, whether it's, you know, some people are visual learners, some people are hands-on learners, some people are auditory. I always had uh, a lot of success, like rewriting my notes. And for some people, they're like, I never looked at my notes again. Some people would write thousands and thousands of flashcards out. So it's like finding what specifically works for you and actually just doing that and eliminating distractions. I think if you can do those two things, like you're going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's a great pointer. And and you talked about different study styles. It's going to vary from person to person. Um, actually, this was a note that you mentioned earlier, but um, like I, I'm ADD, right? And I, I'm sure that's a, that's a thing that gets thrown around to a lot of people. But um, 
you know, you, you're ADHD, right? It's actually a question I get a lot. Like, hey, do you think I could be in the military if I'm ADD, ADHD? Um, so you're looking at both, right? Um, you know, and, and I think that's like a, uh, a diagnosis that gets thrown at a lot of people, but uh, I legit, I have that, right? Like, I, I, there's no way I can sit there and read 60 pages of a textbook and retain uh, that information. So I talk about different study styles. What's going to work for you? Do you need to create a visualization for yourself? Um, diving in on specific terms and highlighting specific terms, creating a checklist, creating flashcards, uh, creating focus points, create those visuals. Because it's not just about looking over the information. It's about understanding it, retaining it, and and being able to really apply it, I think, is, is the big thing. And um, I was very successful in college because I figured out, you know, in the military, what my study habits were, what works for me. Um, it's not just sitting there looking over, again, pages of stuff. I'm not going to retain that. So some people can do that, right? It's it's all about study styles and, again, eliminating distractions. Putting in the time is another big one because um, putting in the time is tough, especially when you're younger. You know, so. Yeah, I think, you know, to, to speak on that. I, I was someone who found out that I had ADD, ADHD later in life. Um, this was something that my wife was kind of like, have you ever thought about this? Like, because she, you know, she took stimulants and she had been on stimulants and she was younger. Um, I kind of had the reverse kind of thing of, I think I was 27 by the time I'd actually ever even talked to a psychiatrist and they were like, oh yeah, like, you know, we're going to put you on medications. And so now I'm on stimulants um, for that. But kind of like what you were saying is we had to almost reverse engineer how to be successful before someone even told us that kind of thing. And that would be advice, I think, going in. I wish someone had told me, and that's a good way that people can start of if you're looking at going into the military or in especially a soft type unit, you really have to consider, one, are they going to let you take any kind of stimulants in the first place? Because there's so much red tape around that in the military some medications that you take, or even some diagnoses, you're not going to get in. So they might say at MEPS, hey, we're not doing this anymore. Or, you know, you have to go see a psychiatrist. I think that's an 06 or above to sign off on certain medications. And so there's, again, there's lots of red tape. If you end up going down that route, you want to be medicated for that. Or again, kind of what it sounds like we did, you have to find out how to be successful, regardless of there's medication or not. And I think that speaks to kind of the mindset that you have to kind of establish overall, regardless of whatever obstacle that you have, it doesn't matter. You're going to figure out a way to be successful and get past that obstacle. So, oh, I can't take stimulants anymore. Well, I've taken stimulants since I was younger, or I can't study without stimulants. Like that's an excuse. And so getting those kind of things out of here of, well, what is successful for me if I know I get distracted and like I haven't, I have what's considered an inattentive ADHD. So I'm not the super hyper kind of person. I'm just the person that like starts looking up at the sky and like going off on a bunch of different thought processes. So really focusing and limiting distractions is something that I had to focus on. I couldn't have background music. I couldn't have TV on. I couldn't have people chatting, you know, to the side because personally that affected me where I couldn't pay attention. I had to figure that out before I kind of even knew it was inherently a problem. Yeah. Well, my wife's kind of a different way where she gets super hyper and funny and agitated. And, you know, she's just kind of all over the place. 
So for her, you know, similar kind of thing, she had to find ways to deal with that of, well, maybe I need to go to the gym before I sit down to study so I can get some of that energy out. So finding ways where you can be successful, because again, the other question you have to ask yourself is how reliant do you want to be on a medication? If you're going to be in a soft unit, if you're going to be in the military, is a medication that you always have to take to perform? Is that something that you even want to be a part of? Or do you want to have effective strategies to be an effective leader, an effective medic, an effective controller? Like, you know, there's all these things that you want to do, whether you have the medication or not, you know? And so that's something that, again, the military has to look at, but it's also something that you personally have to look at. I never took stimulants, like I said, my entire military career, I didn't even know about it. I didn't, I had no idea. I just said, hey, this is not working for me. I need to find a way to make this work for me. Later in life, you know, I found, hey, I could just take a pill in the morning and it, it, this is a, a lot easier. But that doesn't mean just because something's easier because you do something, it's going to work. And again, there's so much red tape, I feel like, around stimulant use and ADD and ADHD that finding ways to just keep your attention focused, that is, that should be prioritized. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that, that is kind of a hurdle with the medications in the military. Um, and, uh, that's something that guys will have to weigh out with, um, with probably a recruiter. That's more of a recruiter question. Cause I'm not, I'm not sure. Like I did the medication thing whenever I was younger. Um, but I didn't do it, you know, as I got older, I haven't been on any medication, but, um, uh, yeah, I feel like there is some, like you said, some red tape when it comes to the, the military and, and being on medications for those things. So um, that is a note for you guys, but it is a question I get all the time. So I'm actually, I'm happy that uh, that talking point came up because I can tell you like um, it is it is more of a hurdle whenever you got something like that. It's more of a hurdle to sit there and focus. It's, it's not um, some people who, who I feel don't have that you know, they think, oh, it's a discipline issue or something. Uh, it's really, it really uh, is not. It's it's like, a, it's like a pathway, right? Like your brain just has trouble sitting there and, and focusing on a particular thing. So building, again, uh, habits to try to do that. Like me, I had to check myself a lot. Uh, that was a habit I had. I had to like mentally check myself, retrace steps a lot. And that was, uh, that was a pathway that I learned. I would check, double check and triple check myself um, all the time because, uh, again, my brain was jumpy. So um, I feel like that's pretty, you know, fairly common thing. And, and it's a good talking point. I think it's pretty relevant. So I feel like a good thing, too, about the military in general. And, and again, this might be why I, I didn't really <laughs> figure it out until later when I did have to sit in the classroom for extended periods of time again, was the military is really good about giving you things in bite-sized chunks. They're not going to say, hey, I'm going to check on you in two weeks. You know, I hope you successfully completed these tasks. The military is very much like, hey, in five minutes, this is what needs to get done. And then I'm going to tell you what needs to get done after that. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you what needs to get done after that. It's very stepwise. <laughs> so especially when you're just beginning, you don't really have to think so much. You have to do what you're told. So I feel like, again, that was a reason why it didn't necessarily become such an issue when I was in the military, because you don't have to think about what you're wearing or eating or when you have to be somewhere. It's like, you're getting told all these things. So again, uh, that is one of the benefits of, of that. Yeah, that is a great point. Um, 
So as far as like physically prepping for, you know, being a ranger and and particularly a medic, what what uh focuses and goals should people have for that? So I think, you know, it's just like anything else. It's like it, it should be individualized. And so you should figure out, you know, and it's great that, you know, people that are watching this or have reached out to your program, like you give them specific you know, hey, this is what you need to do to be successful. You have to be able to move at this pace. You have to be able to do this kind of body weight exercise. You have to be able to lift this much weight. And these are the ways that we're going to incrementally increase and improve upon those things. Because again, you can go, you can, you know, Olympic lift 300 pounds over your head. You might not be the best ranger. Like we had guys that were massively huge and they would fail on a five mile. And guess what? They'd go away. Hey, we never saw that guy again. What happened? Yeah. Same thing. We'd have guys that could run, you know, oh, I ran a 15 miler this morning. You, everyone look around and be like, what just happened? And then they'd, you know, bust out 30 push-ups, and you're like, well, I mean, that's, 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 that's kind of the problem, man. Like, because I weigh 230 pounds, how are you going to carry me? If, you know, I'm glad you can run. So it's like, you have to find that sweet spot of being physically fit, being able to run. And it just becomes like, you have to understand what the role is that you're feeling as a soldier, as a ranger. And, you know, being a medic is, there's not so much physical demands that you would really need beyond just being a, a fit ranger. And so again, the big thing for that is just like, to be a medic, you have to have your own specialty as far as packing your gear, being able to perform procedures, all those different things. But I would just say, you have to be as good as the rangers around you. You don't want to be the medic that's like, hey, doc's falling behind again. And oh, I got an aid bag on or oh, my belt's heavy, guys. I got a BVM and I got all this blood product and stuff. It's like, our, our, you know, my senior medic was always very much like when we ended ruck marches and, you know, took a little break in between. He was like, you do not rucksack flop. You do not sit down. You do not take a knee until you've checked on everybody else. So it was like, you know, when everyone else is huffing and puffing, they're like, man, we just had to, you know, trot out this ruck march. And you're like, man, all I want to do is catch my breath. It's like, well, you better catch your breath while you're checking on everybody. Because, you know, one guy might have a rolled ankle and he doesn't want to get up because he's tired and he doesn't want to tell anybody or he's going to get yelled at or whatever. So it's like, you know, that would be the one thing is just maintaining the same level of physical fitness and standards as everyone else. And that goes across the board as far as like marksmanship, you know, everything. You have to be a ranger first, you know, yes, you're the medic and they're going to treat you as such. They're going to treat you like you're the medic, but you have to be as good or better. And that should be your goal. Just like th their goal is, hey, I'm going to do mag change faster than the guy next to me and my team. Hey, I'm going to do this better than the guy next to me. It's like, you have to have that same mentality. And that's what was bred there. You, you, you're better. And I'm going to tell you I'm better. And I'm going to prove that I'm better. It's like that, you know, that was driven home so hard. And it's like, just because you're a specialty MOS, a medic, a cook, whatever the case is, like that was across the board. You have a tambourine, you better, you better prove that you deserve it yeah. every single day you show up. And if you didn't, they would tell you like, Okay. There was there was no mincing of words of like, oh, it's okay. Uh, and so that's something I think to prepare for is just, you know, you can't say, uh, you know, I'm I'm special in one way, so therefore I can shitbag in other ways. Like you just can't do that. Yeah. Pressure makes diamonds and there's uh there's plenty of pressure, dude. Um 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and, you know, jump back to the physical stuff. You know, that's a question I get all the time. And, and it's, it's something that I'm glad to tap into um, with the education, with the certifications, with the real world experiences. I feel like that's something that's lacking in a lot of military prep um, and a lot of the military prep. What do you want to call it? Community focus or whatever. Um, there's a lot of plans being passed around, but I think they're not focusing on the whole picture. So guys will ask me, should I focus on specifically this, specifically that? I'm like, be good at all the things. That's why I made a program that outlines, you know, those things. Cause I'm like, it's not just about push-ups, right? Yeah. You could do, you do a million push-ups, but if you can't pass the run, you know, are you good? If you can't carry weight on your back, are you any good? So that's why we got the, the lifting. That's why we got the performance specific criteria, the cardio, um, specifically the hit the interval cardio is in there as well so we're focusing on all the things so um yeah and and i would agree with you as far as you know no matter what job you do you're expected to be uh, proficient at that and you're expected as a especially as a ranger um the physical fitness is the is the um the key and you know that's why i think train like a ranger as a not to make it about me, but train like a ranger is so relevant to uh, the military community and uh, and the world as a whole because we are known for that physical fitness uh, achievement. I think uh, overall. So yeah, I, I mean, I I totally agree. Like you know, it's something that people ask me all the time. Is like you know, how do you how do you do that? How do you stay up for so long working shifts? How do you do this? How do you show up every day? You know, it's something that it's, it's just like, it shines through no matter what, no matter how tired you are, you know, no matter how many workouts you've gotten in that week, it's like that mentality that's driven in there of training like a ranger and, and, you know, being the best. And that is universal and something that you have to be in. And it's like, you know, finding individually how you can accomplish those things to not meet the standard, but exceed the standard in every single way. Like that was something that they, you know, our, our liaison, when I was going through Sockham said, he was like, I want all of you Rangers to be in the top 5%. He's like, if you're not in the top 5% of everyone there, then there's something wrong. And it's like, those were the kind of expectations that he put on us, but like you had to hold yourself to that standard too of, okay, I can't just be in the top 25%. That's not good enough. That's failure. And it's like, you know, there's people failing out left and right. And you're just like, man, I, I should just be happy that I'm still here. But, you know, then you start to realize like, and, and this is something that, you know, I, I talk to some guys now who ask me questions about you know, joining soft or, you know, going to Ranger pipeline or SF pipeline and stuff. And those things start, like, I always tell people it's like a ladder, you know, you don't like miss the first step on a ladder and somehow get to the top. It's like from the very first day you take that journey, whether it's you decide like today I'm going to start training or, you know, there is no next week. I'm going to start training. It has to start like a, a flip a switch. Like you are now involved and you are now focused on this. That is when you have to start holding yourself to standards to that level. You can't just be like, well, you know, I'll, I'll take it kind of easy and cruise for six months and then I'll really start to pick it up. It's like that should be something that everything in your life, whether it's nutrition, fitness, education relationships, leadership, you know, if you hold yourself to, I'm going to be the best of the best, no matter what, no matter who's standing beside me, no matter what happens, no matter how bad my day was, 
I'm going to perform at the best all the time. That shines through in so many ways. And some days you're going to have bad days and you might not get there. But if you wake up the next day and you say, all right, today's a new day. I'm going to be the best again. That, you know, continuation over time gets you to that top of the ladder at the highest degree of success where I feel like a lot of people just say, oh, I'm going to get my degree and then I'll start being good. I'm going to get my certification and then I'll start being good. I'm going to pass the pipeline and get my beret and start being good without realizing like, that's not how that works. It's not a pat on the back. Once you accomplish something, that's like, that's day one. Again, every day is day one. Like, and if you have that mentality, you'll be successful no matter where you go or what you do. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and, you know, speaking for both of us, um, it, you know, we are young guys and I would say that we have both done a lot of things in a short amount of time. Um, that is that pipeline. When I say when guys want to do the Ranger pipeline or special operations, I'm like, man, do it. Cause, um, whether you're there for an extended amount of time or you're there for a term, it's going to give you tools to propel forward and continue to succeed. Like I said, you know, you got out and you'd like hit the ground running and it's like, you're constantly achieving new things and new things. And, uh, and I feel the same for myself, you know, um, there is no, it's like, it's like they give you a motor and they put, they put that thing on full blast and it just doesn't turn off. So like, even though we transitioned, which we'll get into some transition here in a bit, but even though we transitioned, that motor's still going, you know, and it's like, uh, it is such a great way to learn how to push yourself and learn a lot about yourself. Um, so that being said, you know, we, we did a podcast before and we really dove into the process to become a ranger medic. So, um, you guys interested in, you know, the nitty gritty of the process to become a ranger medic, be sure to check out our previous podcast where we got, uh, deep into that, but, uh, we'll speak in more general terms, you know, guys going into the, the pipeline, um, what are some general things they should expect as their pipeline? Yeah. So I, and I actually, I finally got a response um, from a guy who recently just went through the 18 Delta pipeline, a guy I was, you know, in range about with who ended up going from supply over to 18 Delta, one of the, <laughs> yeah. you know, one of my best friends we were like, how are you in supply? So ended up crushing the 18 Delta course and, and got stationed uh, over in Colorado. So I got an updated version of kind of what, you know, Sockham is these days, because again, I went back 2012, 2013. So the the old podcast that we had talked about, it's very similar to that, where you're going to basic training, AIT, which is the 68 Whiskey AIT. You go to Airborne School, um, pre-RASP, RASP, pre-Sockham. And for me, again, that was like a very extended amount of time. I'm pretty sure they've streamlined that still to this day because they were only sending two Rangers at a time. I think they've opened that up quite a bit. So now pre-Sockham is a little bit you know, more streamlined where you're getting clinical experience um, with the guys going through RASP and um, guys that are in third battalion and stuff like that. Um, sorry about that. And then you're going to Sockham. Um, and again, there is a little bit of a difference between 
18 deltas and ranger medics in the sense of most soft medics will go through what's considered the short course um which is anywhere between nine to 12 months depending on if you have any rollovers or anything like that um and so there's six blocks of SOCOM that you end up having to go through there's um a and p here let me just pull it up because i just got an updated one so the first block's emtb the second one is anatomy and physiology and patho uh, pathophysiology third is clinical medicine four is trauma one five is trauma two and then the third block being trauma three and then there's a ftx field internship is what they call it the big differences um so basically the six blocks are the same. The big difference is, is now you're getting to challenge the NREMT paramedic certification. So you get to be a fully certified civilian nationally registered paramedic after you graduate. And also you get your ATP certification, which is your advanced tactical practitioner, which is like the certification that you can only get through going through the military pipeline of a soft medic, yeah. whatever unit you end up getting attached to that certification sets you apart no matter where you go if you stay in the military or you end up going dod or contracting it it's the only way you can get your atp certification the fbi the cia every atf they all want to get a hold of that pipeline they all want to say hey you know can we have reciprocity can we steal that certification can we do something on the civilian side and they have held on to that tooth and nail and said if you want the certification, go through the pipeline and serve, you know, as a soft medic, and then we'll give you that certification. So again, nice. if, if you guys need a carrot to chase that ATP certification, you cannot get it any other way. And there's guys that are still in, you know, that have taken the next level up that have went to, you know, gotten out and went DOD, triple letter agencies, whatever the case may be. And that certification sets them apart in such a way as a, as a tactical medic that you can't even imagine. So again, if you are interested in that pipeline, that is something to consider of once you have that certification, no one can take it away from you and no one can replicate it. So just think about that. Um, so you get your civilian paramedic, like I said, as well. And then if you end up going 18 Delta or one of the independent duty corpsmen's, um, they do what's called the long course. So it's a couple more, um, I think it's like a month or two longer on top of it. And they go over laboratory and imaging, multimodal anesthesia, prolonged wound care, agriculture, medicine, slaughter and prep and field internship, which is just like a clinic focused, um, like setting up an aid station type thing. They're actually getting a bachelor's degree in clinical health practices. And then the guys graduating the short course are getting an associate in that. So they're doing a really good job now, as opposed to when I went through of getting civilian reciprocity, basically, because I got out and then, you know, I had credits that transferred, but a lot of them didn't transfer into a biology degree. So I had to kind of start from the beginning, even though I had a ton of college credit, it was like, well, we can't use it for your degree. I'm like, uh -huh, cool. yeah. So now they're doing a much better job of setting you up for success. If you do want to transition out being able to work as a paramedic and not having to go you know take a refresher class and pay a couple hundred dollars for this and that you have your nremt you have either your associates or your bachelor's degree um in clinical medicine and then you can transition and go do whatever you want to do and a lot of med schools and 
PA schools have pipelines where they're looking again for those soft medics. And like the, there's a program in Atlanta I'm talking to right now. It's a retired uh, PA who was a major um, that has a, it's called the vet up program. And so they basically want guys from the soft community that were medics um, to join their program because of the unique experience that they have. So again, there's lots of opportunities once you transition and they're doing a much better job right now of setting you up for success to transition or whether you just stay in, you know, you have more chest lettuce and papers and, you know, all the, all the nice things that people like. Yeah. So they're doing a good job with that. And then uh, also for the Ranger Medic Pipeline, a lot of the battalions, when I first got there, I went to my platoon day two. They basically had like, okay, you four medics, like do trauma lanes, do a PT test, do all these things. And then it was like a kickball, like I want you and I want him. And so I went to my, my platoon day two. Now they're sending guys before they even go to their platoon, they're sending them to ranger school. They're getting them set up. They're going to pick up their E5. So when I went through, I hadn't been to ranger school yet. I hadn't picked up E5 where all the other sophomore graduates had uh, they automatically graduate to E5 besides Rangers. Yeah. So we kind of got the shaft in a lot of different ways where they fixed all those kind of problems because we had kind of said, hey, like, what's the deal here? Why are we, you know, the tip of the spear and the best? And we go to soccer refresher and they're like, man, you guys, Ranger medics really know what's going on. Like, you guys are on top of, these are the best here. Yeah. We're like, yeah. I and mean, we're also the one who doesn't get promoted, the one who doesn't get the civilian certifications, the one who doesn't get the pay. Yep. And so they have fixed a lot of that. So that's really the update from our last podcast is they're setting you up for success, whether you go Ranger Medic or any of the other schools, they're, they're, they're doing much better at like giving you the things that you need. That's, that's great to hear. Uh, a joke I used to make is no good deed goes unpunished. And, you know, like when you go to, when you go to a Ranger Battalion, sometimes it just feels like you're just getting punished for trying to do extra, you know? Uh, so that's good to hear that they are fixing those things. I think that's absolutely warranted, um, especially because uh, an argument I think we made in the first podcast and something that I, I would vouch for and stand by is the hill I would die on, dude, is that uh, Ranger medics are more highly trained than any other medics I've seen out there. Um, the extra training that y'all get and the amount, of, the amount of time that y'all put into the pipeline alone is so much more than anybody I've, I've ever seen. So. Um, yeah, I definitely think that's that's a great um, update, and uh, and and as far as transitioning, I'm actually pretty I'm pretty naive when it comes to um, how the certifications work. So you get the paramedic certification. Uh, is that is that like do you have to do any research stuff, continuing education, or is it is it like a a long enduring cert? So again, the the way that I did, um, I took my ATP certification and it had reciprocity in Georgia since I had been stationed in Savannah and I got my state license to practice as a paramedic. So I never got my national registry, um, my national registry, uh, which gives reciprocity in a lot of other states. So like Florida, for example, you need your NREMT to apply for a state license. And so to work as a paramedic in any state, you need the license. But the NREMT, if you change states, get gives you the ability to get that license. So a lot of the times, like when you finish a civilian paramedic program, the final test that you would take is your NREMT test. And so once you have your NREMT testing, you've passed your school, then you would go apply 
for state license. And the state license is actually what lets you work. So you kind of need both. Okay. Um, so now that they have that, um, they have the license, that means that every two years, you have to take a certain amount of continuing education and there's specific categories. And again, if you're working actively, um, like with a fire department or a 911 service or whatever, they're going to have like a training department or something that they're staying on top of that because that was something that as a paramedic in Savannah was constant, uh, Hey, or deadlines are getting kind of close. And so every two years, you know, so every year they would have people, you know, kind of, Hey, you have a month to research. You do have your hours and stuff like that. So you have to make sure that you're taking specific continuing education hours in certain subjects and you can track it all on the NRMT. They have an app now. Um, so you can actually insert um, what classes you've taken, what category they actually fulfill, and then it'll switch from red to green. So there is a process to like maintain all that stuff. Every two years, you do have to research. Um, and as well as that, there's lots of other certs that you usually have to maintain as well. So like a BLS, which is a basic life support, ACLS, advanced cardiac life support, and then the myriad of other ones that you can get, like um, advanced medical life support, PALS, which is like pediatrics. Um, so again, there's tons of other certs that have different kind of timelines. Like I know the burn cert um, through the NAMT is four years. And then you can even go on to advanced ones like a flight medic or a tactical medic or a critical care medic. Um, those are a different governing body. Um, but those are good for four years. So again, it depends on what certifications you're kind of talking about. Um, but there is an active process that you do have to continue your education. You can't just, hey, I got my my certification. I'm good to go. Right. Um, yeah, good to know. And and uh, you know when it when it comes to transitioning, you know uh, what what would you say is the Additionally, the biggest benefits that you had, obviously, you know, transitioning to paramedic now, that's a big one. Um, you're looking to stay in the healthcare field, like uh, looking at the PA route. But mm -hmm. in addition to transitioning, what are some other takeaways that you, you would say being a ranger and a medic gave you? I think, you know, being it's hard for me to speak on just the ranger and medic separately because I was both. So, but I would say that they both added to this individually in certain ways of like the amount of confidence in yourself that you take away um, as like, as a provider or as a person where, you know, again, if you hold yourself to a high standard and there's something in life that pops up where like, uh, I'm not really sure about that, or I don't really know, this is something I told people when I was a paramedic preceptor and I'd get students. I said, being a good paramedic means being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that was something that applied as a ranger too, of, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable is such a, like, if you can get that down, like, oh, okay, Hey, I have to jump out of a plane. I don't like this. My body doesn't like this. My heart rate's going up. I have a, a weird feeling in my belly. Like this is something, something's going wrong. It's like, yeah, you're jumping out of a plane. To get used to it. Hey, I have to run into, is there explosions going on over there? Is there gunfire? Like what your body's natural reaction is danger. This is not, this is not okay. I don't want to go towards that. 
guess what? You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You're going to go towards that direction. You're going to go towards the screaming person. You're going to go towards the car accident, the, the burning building. And that mentality, you know, shines through in anything that you do, whether it's picking up a new hobby, whether it's public speaking, whether it's, you know, being, uh, it's helped me being a preceptor and like now at Black Rifle being like a manager, it, you know, it helps me be confident in the decisions that I make and people who see that they're confident in following me. So I think that's the big thing, you know, being a ranger or a medic or, you know, both it's, it's instilling that confidence, instilling that, you know, you will find a way, whatever obstacles that are, are in your way, you know, you're going to get past that and you're going to be successful no matter what. And so again, everyone's going to have obstacles. Everyone's going to have adversity. Everyone's life is going to be a little bit different on what those mean, but finding a way to either run through them, dig under them, go around them, go over top of them, like that mentality that gets instilled in you in Ranger Battalion and the soft community as a paramedic, as a first responder, that shines through in so many things in life that you wouldn't really necessarily even know unless you sat down and really thought about it. Like, why was I so confident in that decision? Why did I feel okay saying this out loud? And it was because you've done so much other things before that, again, just like training your muscles, if you pick up a dumbbell 10 times, well, you're not that much stronger. But if you pick up a dumbbell 10 times, five sets every day for a year, guess what? You're a lot stronger by the end of that year. Well, the same thing, that same principle applies to your mindset, to studying, to anything in life that you do. The more you do it, the more consistently, the harder you work at it those things tend to improve. Um, and when you have a plateau, you push through it, you know, that that's going to happen and finding a way around those kind of things, no matter if, again, physical training, mental training, education, work, all those kind of foundational principles, you can apply to anything you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a great, uh, great pointer. You just had, you know, when it comes to what it means to be a ranger, and I've said this multiple times in, in other podcasts, the being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think some of that, some people have that instinctually where they can run towards this run towards danger, you know, but a lot of that is repetition and training yourself to do that because your body's natural reaction is, you know, you're going to go into fight or flight, right? A lot of people, they may not be instinctually the one to run towards danger, but upon repetition, upon training, upon learning, to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, you can become that person. So that's some encouraging uh, thoughts. I'd say to people like, ah, that's not me. I couldn't do that. Uh, yeah, you can. You can. You can train yourself to be that way. You can remap your brain to be that way. So, uh, yeah, that's a great point. I, I think there's, you know, when it comes to going towards the military, towards special operations, that is a great place to learn how to be that way. Um, now. This segue, this segue is a talking point you wanted to do, um, and and uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to get here, but it's a it's a bullet point we have about uh, talking yeah. about alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine when it comes to the military, and and it's it's uh, really relevant. Um, all, all three of those things are really relevant to the military, right? Like when I was in the military, I was an alcoholic. I drank. Uh, I'm not proud to say this. I drank like four monsters a day, and uh, you know, I was a avid tobacco user. Uh, now I don't drink any energy drinks. I have like my morning cup of coffee 
you know, I have, um, I hardly drink and, uh, and no nicotine for me anymore. So what would you, um, you wanted to talk about like the alcohol addiction, the caffeine addiction and nicotine addiction problem. Um, so what, what did you have for that? Yeah. So again, just being a medic, I feel like, you know, this is something that it's just a health and wellness and a a physical, um, well-being type spiel. So I thought it would be something to touch on because again, all things that I've struggled with along the way as well. And that was kind of the funny contradiction of being the medic and people were like, Hey, who's, you know, where's Doc Flynn at? They're like, he's the guy in the med cage that has a half can of tobacco in his bottom lip. Because I constantly, you know, I always had a dip in. And so again, same kind of thing, um, you know, always chewing tobacco. I mean, I was up to two cans a day uh, at various times in my life, whether in the military or as a paramedic. And, you know, again, binge drinking and stuff like that. That was something that, you know, I kind of started in college and then continued in the military. And then even once I got out, that was something that I struggled with. And caffeine addiction, you know, I work at Black Rifle now, so that's something I still get to enjoy quite quite a lot. But um, again, it's it's finding a balance. I feel like, and again, that's the big thing. Just to think about, um, again, I'm 30 now, so it's a little bit different. You know, when you're 18, I went in when I was 21, um, but you feel a lot more invincible when you feel like you can get away with anything and nothing really matters. And um, it's just little things that I feel like again, it's hard sometimes to tell people that you should consider this and just be mindful. But I feel like it would be a disservice if it wasn't something that I touched on because it is such a big part of my own life, but also all the guys I stay in contact with, all the retired guys I work with now, you know, it's something that I see people struggle with all the time and all the things that it kind of leads to, whether it's oral surgery because they've been dipping for 20 years consistently and just, you know, haven't been taking care of themselves or, you know, drinking alcohol throughout the day all the time. Um, I just think it's, again, one of those things of if you make a plan before you start out um, and just, again, being mindful, it's, it's kind of one of those things that's going to be a part of the culture. It's going to kind of always be around you. Um, And so it's hard to say, 100%. Yeah. As an 18 year old going in the military, I'm going to abstain from all these things because it's the right thing to do and it's healthy and yada, yada, yada. I'm not an unrealistic, realistic type person. I was never that person who had that mindset, even as a medic, even telling people you should be doing the right thing. A lot of times I wasn't doing the right thing either. Um, But again, just thinking about what's important in life and what's important and how you align your goals. So again, is it a problem to have a cheeseburger on the weekends? No. Is it a problem to have a cheeseburger every day? Yes. Is it a problem to have, you know, a beer on the weekends, a couple of beers with your friends? No. But when it starts to get to, you know, you're smashing a bottle and passing out in alleyways and getting beat up or driving drunk or all the things that kind of come along with it, getting in fights, again, that's something that I feel like should be touched on when we're talking about guys that are going in or guys that are in, because again, it is such a big part of the culture. You have to find ways to deal with all the stuff that we go through, finding healthy outlets, whether it's hobbies, physical fitness, again, finding those things where you can have a reason to abstain or to lessen, or, you know, Hey, if as a ranger, like we ran all the time. 
So not smoking was really easy for me. I never picked up smoking. I, I chewed a lot of tobacco, but if I never understood how people could smoke in the military, because I'm like, you have to run all the time. This makes it really hard when you're hacking and coughing and stuff. Yeah. So it's that same kind of thing. That was really easy for me to see, but it's sometimes harder and more delayed to see, okay, hey, Ben's drinking Friday and Saturday night, spending all my money as, a, as an E3 at the bar, you know, talking to, to girls downtown. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's a good time and stuff. But again, just something to consider to what are your goals short-term and long-term and how can you best, you know, reach those goals? So it, it, again, as a train like a ranger program, when you're thinking about mindset and you're thinking about physical fitness and stuff like that, does it make sense to program such a great program and consistently stick to it five days out of the week and then flush it down Friday and Saturday night? Yeah. And that's something that I see. I talk to guys right now. They're like, Hey, I want to go be, you know, I want to be a ranger medic or I want to go be 18 Delta or, you know, do this or do that. And they're just starting out. 18 just graduated high school and I see the same kind of patterns that start to be established. And it's like, that can be a detriment along the way. And again, there's so many things that have to go right as far as getting yourself aligned with physical fitness, the mindset, all that stuff, but also not getting injured, but also not getting in trouble, but also eliminating distractions of not getting married to a girl you met at the bar two weeks ago, you know, the, <laughs> buying the Camaro with 40% APR, like all those things all take into effect. Yeah. So again, I feel like alcohol, nicotine, tobacco, drugs, which again, shouldn't even have to be touched on if you're going in the military, but it is something that is, you know, a part of it too, of you can go down a lot of dark directions anywhere you go if you look hard enough. Yeah. It's just something to keep in mind of, how long do you want to do this? If you want to do four years and get out, then I don't know what to tell you. But if you want to be successful at longer than four years, whether you're in or out, whether you're 30 or 40 or 50, and you want to feel good every day when you get up, I mean, that's another big thing I see is at 30 years old, I wake up every day and I feel great. Yeah. I can overhead press, I can run four miles. Like I feel amazing because I take care of my body. And it's not something that I prioritized in the past. And I got away with it because I was younger. And now starting to see the effects of, I work with a guy who was a GB, he's 34. He has to hold on to something just to like take a knee because his knees are so jacked up and his back hurts. And, you know, he drinks a lot and stuff like that. So again, it's just one of those things I feel like keeping the back of, you know, people's minds Just I feel like it would be a disservice if I didn't bring it up of you know just just be mindful again of moderation and and all the little factors that potentially could derail the path that you're going down again there's lots of things that could derail you whether it's toxic relationships with family and friends toxic relationships with spouses significant others drugs alcohol like there's all kinds of things that want to stop you from getting that beret from getting that tab, from getting that scroll, from getting, you know, whatever you want to do, there's a thousand things coming for you, for you to not be successful. Again, it's finding ways to be successful no matter what, but there's so much pre-planning that I feel like people don't do. And they just think it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. I can do this. I can, you know, tough my way through it. But there's also things that can happen that can completely take that away from you. If you get a DUI, sorry you're not going to be a part of this community. 
whether you're in or you're out, like even if you're in, a lot of times people are going away now. If you get into a fight downtown and you know you're drunk and you beat somebody up, you know, see ya, bye. Sorry, you worked so hard. Yeah. So again, I just feel like it's something to touch on of focus on all these things to be successful and do the right thing, but also keep in mind of all the things that can take away from that as well. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's a great point. Like moderation is is key. It's hard whenever you're working stressful jobs, you want to do things, you want to look for an outlet, but there's a tipping scale, right? Between, and I think it's important to have a healthy outlets, like you said, but there's a tipping scale between, you know, hey, this is a way I'm cutting loose. And then there's that self-medication into a negative downslope. And, uh, and it's something that I think a, a lot of people kind of taste a little bit. There's definitely, I definitely went down a path where um, I was drinking too much. I was drinking far too much. And then you start getting lucky in some areas where you could get caught. And people ask me, like, why do so many people get um, get kicked from, you know, soft and particularly, you know, there's that infamous uh, a lot of people get kicked from regiment. Right. That, so they hear um, I would say of the guys who are getting kicked, a lot of it is alcohol related incidents. So keeping it within a healthy degree, um, because whenever you drink heavily, your judgment's impaired. So. Again, I would look for healthy outlets. I would drink in more moderation. You know, if you're getting off work, I remember the first time somebody told me it wasn't normal to have a six pack when you got off work. I was like, what? That's not normal. You know, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's not. And and also when it comes to fitness, you know, I put up a post um, and some guy was talking about, you know, uh, going to flatter myself for a second, but he was talking about ab genetics. He's like, oh, you got great ab genetics, right? Um, actually, I was looking kind of dumpy when I was an alcoholic, right? And then I cut the alcohol and I fixed my nutrition and that's when my body really started changing tone. And then I started really getting lean and stuff. The, the body that you want, the performance that you want is on the other side of cutting that alcohol, which is hard to do as an adult, especially in uh, in our culture, like alcohols. Yeah. As an adult, it's related to everything fun whatsoever. So not being a drinker is hard. Um, so again, you guys can have alcohol um, to a degree in moderation. I wouldn't have any nicotine. Um, I would say if you can avoid the nicotine, cut that. You know, um, I quit dipping while I was in the military, and that was uh that was hard. It was hard to quit. I quit cold turkey, and I haven't had a dip in eight years. It was um, yeah, that was something I struggled with. Uh, I I grew up in Ohio where all my friends dipped. All of high school, everything, went to college for two years. All my friends dipped, never touched the stuff. Yeah. And then I go to the military and I think it was my second year, like year and a half in. Um, tried it, hated it, threw up, you know, did the whole woozy, pale skin stuff. Yeah. And then uh, started doing it more. And sure enough, it, it was actually, I did it even up as a paramedic up until I moved to Florida. So I'm like from May of last year. Yeah. So very recent for me. Um, and it's something again, like uh, I even say this to my wife, like we go on road trips and stuff and it's something where I'm like, man, I really want nicotine right now. And so again, it's, it's one of those things that you have to learn to cope with and deal with and find a way again, what's more important to you that, that initial. And again, with the ADHD, when you start to do more research and learning about that, of like the chasing of the dopamine hits, you know, that's just a normal human response. But then you have someone who is, you know, produces less dopamine than normal. Um, 
then that's something that, again, those things can be dangerous. So if, if ADHD or ADD is something that you struggle with, that is something to be cognizant of as well, that you are going to chase dopamine hits, maybe at a higher prevalence than someone who doesn't. Um, so again, that can turn into a really, you know, a really deep hole if you're like, wow, that beer really tasted good. And that made my brain feel good. And then 12 years later, you're, you know, passed out on the floor, you know, was that a good decision or, you know, oh man, that one dip was really good. And then two days or two cans a day, every day, again, it starts to, where's the balance at? Where, where do you really want to be with those things? So again, finding healthy outlets, whether it's again, the gym, Hey, prioritize what you want to do to be successful studying, um, you know, physical activities that aren't necessarily fitness related as far as like actual programs of just riding a bike. We like to go scuba diving and spearfishing and fishing and finding things that are healthy outlets, you know, I think is important too for stress and to keep you away from some of those other things that can be detrimental to your success. Yeah. And it's funny, dude. I, I think about this sometimes like guys who, you know, when we go on deployment, and guys would be like, man, when when we go on deployment, we just get so jacked and we're like, we perform so well because we work out all the time. I'm like, dude, I don't think anybody is working out particularly more on deployment. I think we just cut all the bullshit. You know, we go over and you cut alcohol. That's the big one, man. And then, you know, what do you got? You know, you just working, working out, out sleeping and, and eating a little yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how all that stuff kind of adds to the big picture. And you're like, wow, I feel great, man. Yeah. I wonder why this is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a less talked about point, but I'm glad we touched it. Um, and uh, do you have any, any final thoughts for these guys? Um, final thoughts again. Um, reach out to me if, if you have any specific questions. Um, obviously, you know, if you're watching this, you have a great resource in Daniel. Um, he's putting out great content, um, you know, stuff that I follow. And even after I've been out and all the information and stuff that I have personally, you know, it's, it, you have to learn where to look for, you know, he's got it dialed in as far as nutrition and exercise and programming. And, you know, so easy, easy for me to say, Hey, I trust this resource. So, that would be a big thing. I feel like, um, since I touched on that, the final thought of do your research and ask trusted sources where you should go for information. There's a lot of misinformation. And I feel like a lot of people take advantage of um, the marketing value that being a part of a small community, like, but, you know, Ranger Regiment or, or any kind of soft community, there's, you know, the stolen valor kind of guys and the people that, you know, like to walk the walk and grow out the beard and have the cool sunglasses and, you know, hey, come pay $500. I'll take you to the range and teach mm -hmm. you a bunch of stuff that who knows if it's any good or bad or it's same thing, you know, with medical. That's a big thing we see is fake tourniquets and, you know, guys that are TTRIC instructors and, oh, I'm a tactical paramedic. And, well, what's your experience? What have you done? What organizations have you been a part of? How many successful you know, saves have you had? Those are the kind of questions you have to be able to start researching and doing your due diligence as well. Um, looking at people's credentials of you don't want to get instruction from people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, and that's something that a lot of people do. You know, a lot of people like to talk and put out information. Um, it's not nearly as vetted as it once was. Um, and this, that was something I saw a lot of as a, as a preceptor 
uh, as a paramedic, people would just say, hey, look at this. I, I watched this on TikTok or YouTube or this channel I follow. And then I'd start looking at some of the stuff and just being like, dude, no, like absolutely not. This is terrible information. Who is this person? Oh, well, they have a million followers. It's not, does not mean that they're a credible resource. Um, so again, that's something ask people who you trust and people that have been there, done that are still doing it. Um, you know, walking the walk. If, if somebody is not walking the walk or has never walked the walk that you're trying to, the path you're trying to follow, probably not a great idea, you know, to, to follow their advice. There's again, lots of resources that people just put out. And if you don't know any better, um, it's really easy to get sucked into those things. And I see that a lot. So again, you have a great resource here in Daniel. Um, you can reach out to me if there's any questions I could answer. And again, I have lots of resources. If I don't know, I'm not too proud to say, I don't really know, but let me ask someone who will, um, tell me better. So again, um, just vet your subject matter experts. I feel like that's a good final thought to have. Yeah. I'm glad you covered that. Cause it's something that, uh, I want to rant, rant about sometimes, but I, I bite my tongue is that that's the hurdle with being on the internet is there is, there is, we're in a day and age where anybody can build a soapbox and they can build it effectively with the right marketing and they can preach nonsense to a lot of people. And I feel like, um, a lot of fad stuff, a lot of, uh, nonsense, a lot of pseudo pseudo, uh, information gets, gets, um, gains traction sadly on the internet so yeah you got to be careful who you're taking advice from you got to go to sources that you trust sources that are trustworthy not money hungry not just trying to um not trying to take advantage of you somebody who's really going to help you and give you credible information so i think that's very important when you're looking to get help on the internet um also Corey, Corey thank you man for uh ever since our first podcast guys have reached out to Corey and he's Help them to know, um, really to know benefit of your own, just to help people out. And that's the kind of guy that Corey is. And it's the kind of guy that a lot of Rangers are. Um, that's why I really, I really uh, enjoy the Ranger community. Um, I think that's bred in us to look after people, look after each other. Um, and so, yeah, I appreciate that. I'll leave uh, the relevant information that you want me to give uh, down in the description. And, uh, and you guys can contact him. You can contact um, contact him for more questions and things. As always, you can contact me for uh, whatever's relevant. And uh, and uh, by the way, you're a great podcast guest. I ask like such a broad question sometimes, and I'm like, man, I hope he picks this up. And you always pick it up and have a great answer for everything I ask. So yeah, uh, you know, I I my wife always tells me that I can talk to a rock. So <laughs> apologize if I go off on little tangents sometimes, but. Yeah, I'm glad to, uh, you know, give the insight that I do have. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I'm always glad to, to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, just to jump on it I, again, I don't get any benefit from this. I don't get paid. I don't do anything. It's just a, being a part of this community. When I was in, I wanted it to be successful. And even now that I'm out, I want it to be successful. You know, the, the people to your left and right, those are the people I care about. You know, I, I want, you know, people who want to be a part of this community to be successful because they're going to help the community be better. And, you know, so if, if anyone ever has any questions, like I said, reach out. Um, I'm sorry if I'm not the best at responding all the time. Um, if I don't get to a question or I miss an email or something, um, feel free to keep emailing me or harassing me on Instagram or whatever. Uh, eventually I'll get back to you. Um, but yeah, I'm again, I'm always happy to help because again, the, the community, 
is important to me. It's something that changed my life. It's something that I feel like is deeply important to our country. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just something that I, I truly believe in. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, man, I, I really appreciate your time. Everybody here appreciates your time. And uh, thanks again, guys, for tuning in. And, and uh, man, great talking to you. Yeah. Appreciate you, Daniel. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. We sincerely appreciate it. Be sure to check the description below this podcast where there will be relevant links to include trainlikearanger.com where you guys can find your workout programs, nutrition programs, merchant apparel, informational content, and much more on the agenda. Thanks again for your time, and remember to train to your utmost potential like a ranger.